When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Warrior You Podcast with your host, Bram Connolly. Join Bram as he uncovers what is to be a modern-day warrior on and off the battlefield, covering such topics as human performance, emotional intelligence, resilience, mental toughness, epigenetics, neuroplasticity, philosophy, and much, much more. Warrior You, it's the performance advantage. And don't forget to check out Mentors for Military Podcast. Today on the Warrior You podcast, I'm talking to Olympian Sam Locke. If you don't know who Sam Locke is, then prepare to be educated and for your life to be forever changed. If you do know who he is, then you're in for a motivational treat. Sam is six foot one, around 120 kilograms at the moment. He's a dual Olympian, much respect there, Sam, and a two-time bronze medalist in the 2010 and 2011 World Rowing Championships. Sam also holds some amazing world records. He set a 24-hour tandem world record on the Concept 2 rower with rowing partner Matt Ryan. They covered, get this, 380.274 kilometers, maintaining an average split of 153.6 per 500 meters. They, they did this taking turns to row 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off. I'd be happy to hold 153 for five kilometers, if I'm honest. And... Get the year that he had in 2016. This is truly epic. He became the world record holder for 1,000 metres on the Concept 2 ski erg with a time of (laughs) 254.4. I can almost hear all the CrossFit athletes groaning at the mention of the ski erg, actually, now think of it. But this is my favourite achievement. In 2016, he broke an 11-year, 1,000-metre rowing record with a time of 239.5. Jesus, that is fast. And in December of 2016, Sam banged out another record-breaking performance, the most metres rowed in one minute, 425 metres. That's a 500-metre split of 110.5. That is insane. That was only beaten this year by Lauren Howard with 430 metres. He spent 2017 training to make an attempt on the elusive 500-metre world record and fell agonizingly short of the 26-year-old record. He looked on track to not only make it, but in my mind to smash it, but as anyone who has ever done a max 500-meter effort will tell you, it comes down to being able to hold it at the last 100 meters. It eludes him by merely a second, really, so some unfinished business there. Sam, welcome to the podcast, mate. Uh, Happy to be here. There you go. Or there, or the visual space. Wherever it is. Yeah, is that is that pretty correct, Sam? Is that is... Uh, yeah, that's? Um, I mean, the the ski the skier record has been beaten a couple times now, but I did have it at one stage. I think it's two forty nine now. I I, I think I, it is. I, I don't need to play coy. I know exactly what it is. And then the, uh, <laughs> was and a... I feel like just with the five hundred record, that you know, personally, I wasn't as close as yeah, you know, I, I was close ish, but the 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 margins are small at that end, so every point whatever of a second makes makes a big difference. Of course. Um, it looked like so it, in the ballpark, but it looked like you were going to smash that. I, I don't think that if, if I look back at my training, I wouldn't say that I was I, I was expecting all the way along to be closer than I was, but there are a few things holding me back, and I've reflected on what those are. That until I go for that again, and that's a, it's a big year. I'm not interested at all at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't say never. So 
and I can apply those to other people's training, the people I program for or coach, but that's them and that was me and there's lessons to be learned but they're not immediately, you don't have the ability to extrapolate those to everyone, yeah. whether they're preparing for 500 or otherwise. There's right. lessons that are learned basically. Well, you've, you've motivated me to think that maybe in a lightweight category, I've got four years, five years before I'm 50 that I might try and give that a nudge myself. Well, they're good. They're good records, yeah. and there's a lot of them to pick from. You can pick the one that the, the one case suits me. Yeah, the the best of all the distances. If there were a 750, that would probably be even better. But yeah, 500s a bit too short. Two Ks a bit too long. I mean, I said like I can do okay of those. But yeah, my optimal distance is a bit shorter. As a as a schoolboy, you were like six minute something for the two K, right? Six oh four. Yeah, I was big. I was big though, and we did a lot of training. So yeah. uh, we were training like men. So yeah. it, it, there's no reason we didn't have we had man scores. So you went you went to school at Kings in Sydney. Yeah. Then university at Princeton. Basically, you, you went to school and you rode. <laughs> Is that about uh, right? Yeah, rode and yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. So I mean, bo- at, at boarding school, school too. Yeah, yeah, when you're at boarding school, it's not like you. Can have like my wife, for example. She she went to private school too, but she could she worked after school some days of the week or on weekends and stuff. And I'd like to think that I would have been agreeable to that, but there's, there's no way to incorporate it because they they packed the day. And I mean, just during the rowing season, we had Tuesday morning, no Tuesday afternoon and Thursday morning off, and then Sundays. The rest of every morning, every night was training and some lunch times so madness it's good yeah i mean but that's like sort of what how you can achieve an elite level performance that early on is you just take it very seriously which is what they do in in many sports like gymnastics and swimming for example yeah i've been binging on your podcast last couple of days like i thought i knew you before just through instagram you know and then uh I started listening to the podcast and I couldn't help but feel like I had a, a fair bit in common with you actually. Like we're both intrinsically driven, motivated. You've gone on to write a great resource called Lots of Watts um, with yeah. a website called The Watt Farm and a podcast too. And given that you've probably done a bit of research on me as well, you know, I can appreciate how much work that was for you to do that to do all that stuff. And people, I don't think, understand how much it takes to sit down, write huge amounts of content, pillar content that can be spread across the three things. I get that. But, you know, to have all three of those things happening at the same time, it's a juggling, yeah, it's difficult. And you said on your first podcast a couple of things that really resonated with me. And on podcasts since then, I might add too. So you said, the more I learn, the less I know. Yeah, I completely agree with that. There comes a point in time where, it becomes overwhelming. Like, I mean, I think I know what I know about training. I think I know what I know about CrossFit and Olympic lifting and triathlon. And then, you know, I start to listen to you talking about the ski erg, which is a small part of CrossFit. And suddenly I'm like, holy shit, I know nothing about CrossFit because that's the ski erg and it's a lot more complex than all of these things put together. Yeah, um, but I feel, I mean, obviously you're – referring to something I said and that's so we all feel like that mm. in reference to, to someone else who is a mm. is a true expert mm. and I mean if, if we were to talk about rowing then I my understanding is, is fairly extensive but there's yeah. people that know more than me but then they don't have any knowledge of powerlifting or intermittent fasting or yeah. so you know what you know and I mean I guess it's everyone's individual responsibility to develop their understanding and their skill set to, to the greatest extent possible or not. That's, that's simply yeah. a choice. So I've tended to be curious and I, I want to understand the stuff, but it's all the stuff that's in my wheelhouse. It's, there, there's plenty of stuff I don't know. And even in the realms in which I think that I have a, an above average understanding, exactly as I said, the, the more, the more you know, the, the, the more you understand that you know nothing at all. Yeah. And we know nothing at all. Like, our understanding society that is of nutrition, for example, is 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 very limited, really. Yeah, 
Yeah, I heard a, I heard a cosmologist say once that we know more about the universe than what dietitians know about diet, <laughs> which I reckon is yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I sort of vowed to live a life worth living when when you know guys from my unit didn't come back from Afghanistan, for instance. And part I think what I've learned since leaving the military, two things. The first one is never need to ask anyone's permission for bloody anything. Like I don't I don't feel like I have to ask permission for anything. If I if I want to do something, I'll just you know do it. Like this podcast and i think the second thing that i learned is that life is truly the secret to life is truly about personal development and if you're not doing something to personally develop then you're just marking time uh yeah for sure i think it's uh, a, a biological imperative there's something that the reason that people even like watching sport for example like you participating in it that's that's a, a part of a biology is inbuilt and I think that self-improvement is along those lines that we have, we have a, an itch for it and then you can, people can get lazy or preoccupied and they don't but then it would be better off if they if they you know could find something whether it's if it's work that's that's great if the work is, that people do for the majority of their day is stimulating and betters them then that that really is the best case scenario otherwise it's you know, it needs to be on your own back or a hobby or something. Yeah, 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 I get that. And, you know, what you said about, you know, sport, I mean, we, you know, like I watch people like yourself and the CrossFit Games winners, you know, and Tia, really, and, mm-hmm. and you look at them and you think, oh, yeah. But when we're comparing apples and oranges, really, in lots of ways, you know, especially on Instagram, if people are watching these amazing people on Instagram and then think they're going to, do a one minute ten five hundred meters, you know. Yeah, but 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 there's plenty of people that could. Yeah. There's there's I mean, because I am right that there's there's nothing that distinguishes me other than I did all the the work that was required. You did the to work. Do that, and they showed up on the day. Yeah. And executed a performance. But yeah, you did I the just, work. I have too many of my mates that have more physically outstanding than me. They're more talented to know that that's. That's a part of it, but it's it's only one of many. Yeah, one of my one of my fr- a CrossFit coach friend of mine, he f- quite famously says, "Well, not with that attitude, you won't." Every time someone yeah. says, "I can't do," it, I love that. Yeah. Hey, you know, in in particular, the one thing that really resonated with me that you said about your book, Lots of Watts, was that I'm going to read it through here that you deliberately negated to link what you. You know what you know intuitively with academic support or referencing you know and I, I love that i think that what you're asking of the reader or listener is hey be skeptical but just remember just because i'm just because i'm not quoting all of the scientific literature doesn't mean you know doesn't mean you should pay this off you're still listening to the fastest guy in the world dropping knowledge bombs you know well, and you well, haven't complicated it that the reader gets to make yeah um and i I wrote a thesis and had to all the citations, and I understand that process. And and when I read certain things, I want to see that too. Like I want to see if a statement is made, then it can be validated. But not every body of work needs to be the same context. So that I'm straying into like studies indicate without referencing said studies, but. If you if you really push me on it, I could be like, okay, I could find the study and present it to you. But I'm I'm asking the reader to let's not go down that that path. And in, in terms of validation, then yeah, like let, let's go to the stuff that I've that I've done or not. You know, make your it's up to you. Be yeah. skeptical. Exactly. Yeah. Make your own choice. I think it may. I think it makes it so much more accessible. You know, to to yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I want it to be digestible. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I I only know how to write one way and that's the way that I write and so that that's basically all that I all that I can offer but I know when I've I read something that I'm like oh yeah that looks like something I'd say yeah and when people quote me I'm like that, that I can't remember saying that I can't remember writing it but it it seems to have a uh, a manner and then that so that's the only way I can write if it's accessible then that's good yeah no it's yeah. Mate, it's brilliant. I think it's a really good. Well, I'm going to buy the book now after listening to the podcast. I'm hoping that's what other people are going to do too, because it's, you know, I mean, rowing for me is a love hate relationship with it. So I, I, you know, I've got a concept too out there. 
the old with everyone with, with yeah. everyone it's oh, not yeah. even even the best guys mm. in the world don't always feel good about it because it's it's um it's so objective there's no hiding from it you have a bad day it's going to tell you down to the to the second to the what yeah. you, there's no hiding at all yeah uh, but you know the book it, it's it's going to be really useful if you're big on indoor rowing or erging, depending on where you come at the activity from. But yeah. there's a fair bit in there that will pertain to all facets of performance, no matter what that realm happens to be. Yeah, right. And at the end of the day, getting a book from a dual Olympian, you know, a previous and current world record holder in different distances and disciplines. So you know, it's yeah. Well, I mean, I go into you've got the runs the, on the board. <laughs> the temperature that you should like ideally have your bedroom at when you sleep at night, your bedroom yeah. environment, all the way to alternate diet strategies, yeah. hydration, rest, periodization, strength training. There's a bit to sink your teeth into. I, I wanted, I, I kept adding stuff in because I thought, oh, I can't not mention this because yeah. it's a consideration. And then at some point, I had to like say, okay, this is enough. Like this is like don't make it. You know, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Don't add so much stuff that you're detracting from the key the key components that, that people should be attention attentive to. Yeah, yeah, got it. Uh, absolutely. Look, I imagine writing a novel like I just I can't. That that to me seems fanciful. Like another echelon of I just the having the 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 narrative and then being able to pace that over. Yeah, I, I just I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. I mean. I would where I would start is to ask people like yourself, or I would would probably Google most likely where to start when writing a novel, things to consider. That I mean, I would that's how I would start. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a massive believer in mentors. In every if if you if you if you're someone who is doing anything, you should have a mentor, no matter what it is, no matter who you are. Like an Olympian like you has a mentor. You know, an SF guy has a mentor an entrepreneur has a mentor if you if you've run out of mentors then you've run out of development and you've got one foot in the grave as far as i'm concerned so i I had a mentor i pretty much have mentors for everything i do i seek people out it's different than having a coach as well you know Um, as you as you fully know you know the thing i love about rowing it's data centric you know it's 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 data 101 you can nerd out on the data and i was thinking when I was when I was listening to lots of watts, I was thinking about just how intuitively you understand that data and the physical the, the the human the human body really is the physical sort of conduit of the mind to the data as far as you know what I mean. You, you're taking a, a willpower, your soul. You're taking everything there is about you, and you're putting it through this human interface into the machine, and then getting the data back. Is it that simple? Uh, I mean, that's that's definitely a big part of it. And that was something that I liked early on. I mean, I remember I must have been 14 and the first time I ever did a test on the rowing machines, 1,000 metres, I came second. And I, I just there was a, an appeal to me to have a – there was a list from one to how many kids were in the group and there was a number. I mean, it was like a running race, but you could – in a running race, you're not presented with the data – as you're doing it, it's not on the screen, and that I'd never had that. I didn't know what the numbers meant, and that takes a little while, and no, no one really understands unless it's sort of explained to them beforehand. But when I was 14, I'd never even, never even thought about it. Like sit down and and go, and then over time, you generally like start to appreciate what the numbers mean for certain distances, for people of certain weights. Certain ages and uh, and so it's a it's a sort of currency. So you can tell me your, your your score for a certain distance, and I know exactly what that performance means. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's with like ultimate clarity. Like it says something about you. It doesn't say this is what you're capable of. It may have said you trained, you did it, you did no training for it. Yeah, and this yeah. is what you did. But that says something to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could walk up to information that I have. The more I can sort of piece together the yeah uh, the totality of you know preparation, the performance, (laughs) what you're capable of. I suddenly want to hide my concept two rower in case you ever come around and start going through the (laughs) the computer. Yeah, I I, I tend to do that at places where I coach. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I want to know what people have been doing when I'm not watching them. Yeah, right. 
and I want the and I want the kids to know that I that that's a possibility too. That they're accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no. It's it's you, you don't want to. It's it's definitely more carrot than than stick. But yeah, yeah. you want to approach you want to approach it from from both ends. And so um, you're trying to set an ethos. Yeah. And champions are made when no one's watching, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Damn straight. I mean, I put all my, you know, workouts on Instagram most days, but there's a lot of stuff there that doesn't go on. You know, we used to call it Jack. We used to call it Jack kilometers in the military. You'd, you'd do your training in the morning. And then if you were, uh, if there was a few people who were a lot better than you, a lot faster or a lot stronger, then they wouldn't see you training after work. You'd go and hide somewhere and train, get in the Jack kilometers. And then on the on, on the day of the race, you'd rock up and they'd be like, "Oh, what? I've always been this good. What? I don't. What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a phrase in, in rowing for the same for people doing the same thing, but I never I remember never never hiding it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never, there was no there was no secrecy about it. I mean, obviously, yeah. like I, I tell you, I've put my entire training program for a thousand meters online. I tell you what I do, and then if you want to go ahead and do that, yeah, or do it all. A little bit faster than me, and then go faster than me. That, that's that'd be awesome. So at at six at six one, and at around what one hundred and twenty something kilograms yeah, at the moment. One hundred twenty one or something. So you you're well past the shred for the wed. Oh uh, well, that was that was only one hundred like one hundred fifteen. Yeah. So, so you're a you're a you're a big you're a big rower. Well, I wasn't that big when I was rowing. Right. So I was. Low to mid nineties, yeah. But but that was keeping my weight down naturally. I'd be probably one hundred to one hundred five. But so perfectly, the time I was rowing. I was like had to, but mostly because of my height. There right. would be if I got too big, I'd get too thick, which would limit range of motion. All right. And I could get too heavily muscled through the shoulders, which is going to make the the movement a little a little less efficient. So okay. most rowers are they're taller and longer and that's certainly helpful for the sport yeah right so you know i a, a stockier build to, compared to most rowers and a lot a lot lighter when i was doing that oh sorry i was going to say before but perfectly the right shape for the 500 meter attempt right well it'd be helpful if i, if I were bigger really yeah i mean taller heavier that would be yeah oh yeah um, for sure there's no there's there's a small group of people that are, yeah. There's anyone that's sort of the similar speed to me over the shorter distances is a lot bigger. Yeah, okay. Taller because um, leverage is, is is so useful. Yeah. And rowing, particularly on the water, but then also on the machine. Yeah, right. So the so the size equates to power. The heavier you are, the taller you are, the more leverage lever, and then the power transfers through the legs, and then the and then the pull is where I guess the speed comes from. Yeah, well, it's every pull is a little bit. You go a little bit longer. Every so the, the fan spins for a little bit longer. Yeah. And this is all else being equal. If it were just you click your fingers and you were ten kilos heavier, that's not going to be helpful because you wouldn't have the mitochondrial density of the new muscle. For, it wouldn't be as fit. Got it. It, it. it might it might contribute to power or strength, but not necessarily contribute to performance. But if you can add size and then add some of the metabolic capacity to that extra size but it's all particular to the individual and for the target distance and given their training history and also what the you know innate strengths are or not yeah yeah right so that yeah talking about mitochondria i did some some training in the heat some heat adaptation work which um i think is some it's pretty conclusive now that training training in the heat helps with Building more mitochondria, quite similar to training at altitude. Yeah, you just need to be careful with how much and and, and what it is that you're training for mm. because it can be it can be overused and specifically if it's in a in a, a power or a lactate tolerance sport. But if you're if you're constantly training the heat, then your top end is suppressed. Like you're not going to be able to deliver maximum performances in a right. hotter environment. Not for any. You know, for a two k, a two k on the rower, for example, you not your best performance is not going to be in a room that's forty degrees. Yeah, you you 
be using too much energy to cool down. Mm. Um, and if you did your training for that, then you you would suffer. You wouldn't be able to reach that upper uh, upper echelon of your physical capacity. But if you used it as a supplementary form of training, then or if you're training for general general fitness, or you're going into a hot environment and you need to perform there, yeah. then this yeah, you know, say you're going to quiet Ironman, then training yeah, that's you're going to encounter the heat. Some adaptation, mm. right? But we we used the heat chain uh, before the Beijing Olympics. Beijing was had the potential to be really hot a lot of the time, even though the average temperature in Beijing in August is about the same as it is in Sydney, uh, our physiologists were shitting themselves that we were going to get, we're going to get over there and be too, just be able to not handle the heat adequately. And then maybe it might be a good idea to do some heat acclimation before that, yeah. which meant that we were doing these sessions like 40 plus degrees in beanies and long stuff that on the ergs. Yeah. And I remember just being tachycardic pretty much the entire time. And the next day, you'd just be completely wiped, and in the, and you sort of be not able to master full full capacity in the boat when we needed to be, and so you sort of constantly suppressed, yeah. and then you never really get to train that after those upper years. And then when we raced in Beijing in the final, it was like twenty one degrees, and so it was basically a waste of time. The first day we were there, we well, were and maybe hot. detrimental. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, Definitely. And for me, I, I had heart issues ever since. Jeez. Yeah. That's so, brutal. I did not know so, that. So you've got to be careful with that, with, mm. with that stuff. I mean, that's, and that's, I use the sauna now twice a week. I, I, I think heat tolerance is, is a useful tool that you've got to be careful. Yeah. All right. I've got a couple of questions for you. Sure. Righto. So when I'm going to do a 500, and I might do two of these a year, right, just to test myself out, when I start, I generally have stiff legs right at the start, and then I might pull three little pulls on the, on the what do you call them? I call them handles. Yeah. Okay. Like three, three, three quick, you know, pulls to get the revs up and then go through one full stroke. Yeah, don't do that. Is that sanctioned to do something like that at the start of a 500 meter, or is it? Yeah, is it just? It's, it's sanctioned. It's cheating or not? No, it's not cheating, but it's like you, it's the equivalent of asking a swimmer if if it's cheating for him to dive in and touch the bottom of the pool before he goes. <laughs> so it's like, a waste of time. He can do that, but it's a waste of time. Yeah. So you know what I'm yeah. talking about, don't you? Where you do this little thing and then one big pull. Well, I know what you're doing, but yeah. it's, like, it's not a, it's not a thing. It's, I, I, I can picture what you're doing, but yeah, I've seen not, I've seen people do it, but I've seen I've seen you know you just grab it and just like bang, just straight into people, it. Yeah, people do it, but have you seen them do it successfully? No. Right. So, <laughs> like, if I went, the, I've got an erg sitting behind me. If I went, got the handle and just wrapped the chain around my neck, <laughs> you'd seen someone do it, but it's not a good idea. Good call. No, you start at about half slide. Yeah. Use your legs to begin with. You want to start always legs first. Yeah. And you just like just reefing on it, pull straight back. It just you don't you need to go crazy. You just finish the first stroke. Yeah. Get connection, and then move a little bit faster as the as the wheel starts to accelerate. But yeah, you've got. It doesn't have to be. Like completely going, go completely mental from the start. That's not a good idea. You should be thinking about going. You need to go hard, obviously, but you need to relax your shoulders. You need to use your legs. You need to breathe, right? And because you, no matter which way you look at it, it's going to be over a minute, and you, and you need oxygen, and it needs to come through that pie hole. And so, if you're not breathing consciously, it's not going to happen later on. And you. You don't necessarily go for a full stroke, do you? On the five hundreds, you, you, as you would in the water when you're racing, you. It's on, it's, it's it's not quite as long, but that's yeah. only because it's at forty five to forty eight strokes a minute. Yeah. So you, know, you what what you know? Ideally, like basically, I can rate about forty at full slide, but any any higher, yeah. and it shortens up. Yeah. You, you need to rate higher in order to sit on. 110 or 111 so okay 
you know, ideally with more power, you could probably rate a, a little bit lower. So if I were taller, maybe I could rate a bit lower. Yeah. But I'm not. So it's you know, the, at the, the thousand meters, it's it's full length. So as it gets to five hundred meters, it's shorter. Talk me through the dampener on the side. Right. So higher is not necessarily better. Yeah. Although most people were drawn to that, especially, but you know, places like CrossFit, but also strength athletes, because more load is generally seen as better. And if you, you can put it up and you can feel the resistance, so it feels like you're working harder. But harder is not better. The, yeah. You know, the 2K is the blue ribbon event. The fastest 2K ever done. Uh, a former teammate of mine, Josh Dunkley Smith. Uh, end up talking about him on every podcast they go on. We had 5.35 for two kilometers. And his damp, his the drag factor was on 121, which is the damp percentage really? on about three or four. Yeah, so my drag factor, I think, at the moment that I'm rowing with, from, from your advice a long time ago, actually, is one 140, which is sitting around between six and seven on my machine. Yeah, so I think, you know, depending on the understanding of your audience in this particular apparatus, the the, de- the damp is just the, the, the lever on the side of the machine and the drag factor is the numerical indication of, of the resistance. So You can't set that, can you? You can't set that. That that just gives you an indication when you've got it on that setting on the screen. When yeah, you move you it. it. You set it by moving the, the thing. Right, right, yeah, right. And... It, the best way for people to think about it is like gears on a bike. Mm. So the the higher the fan setting, mm. the bigger the chain ring, mm. the more te- more teeth on it, mm. and the the heavier it is. Mm. The he- the best cyclist in the world, Tour de France, is in at the moment. It's there's no pride taken in who has the biggest gears. It's mm. what is the most efficient for covering the target distance. Okay, and so you you adjusting that dampener on the side and watching the the drag uh, coefficient move. Yeah. And depending on the length of your arms and legs, and depending on your overall strength, there'll be a certain number that's optimal. And your aerobic capacity. And aerobic capacity. Rhythm and your experience and what Mm. feels good. Yeah. But but most people, to, to begin with. Don't have enough feel to really understand. Like more resistance feels good, but and I'm- hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on might feel good for 10 strokes yeah but for the 2k is it's going to be longer than that yeah and and so you need to think about something that is the most sustainable mm. for, for whatever the target distance is mm. and generally you should adhere to some recommendations before mm. striving out and mm. and uh, doing you know something that would be not recommended which is for the most part like for my 500 meters, for example, it was well, one eleven five hundred, and wow. uh, I was about 100, 112 kilos at the time, mm. thereabouts, and I had the drag on 180, which is on Massive. most machines about eight. That's okay, awesome. So that's still not 10. Yeah. So the, the, maybe the, the amount of people that are walking around, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's very, it's very few. I would use it at times for mm. to develop certain attributes, like as, a, as an exercise. Right. Like you might do overspeed training, or you might do if you're running, you might drag one of those little parachutes. There's a or hill sprints, and so as a as a tool, but you shouldn't be drawn to just putting it all the way up because mm. it's, yeah, it seems like a good idea. I mean, so, I talk about this, the new. new I talk about mm. the specifics of this in lots of watts, but yeah. for for a two k for women, you most likely want it between one and three, and for men between two and five on most machines. Wow! And so, yeah. 
if you so for instance if you wanted to do some strength work you might have it set on 10 you might do five sets of 500 but you're not you know on 10 but you're doing a specific specifically getting something out of that workout you're deliberately doing it for strength right but for the most part people you know it would be it's a fairly advanced strategy to Mm. change the damper setting for like if you were developing strength i would say you do that with the barbell for the most part then if you wanted to do some of that on the rowing machine yeah you could do it with Mm. the, the but you'd have to understand how to set the 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 interval duration, like how many strokes per minute, how long for, how long rest, what does the total time look like, and are you trying to develop explosive strength or are you trying to develop structural stru- structural strength with postural awareness or rhythm, technical capacity, because if you've got the, the fan up, the stroke takes a little bit longer, which means you can feel the sequencing, the legs, body, arms. Mm a little bit more because it takes a little bit longer. Oh, I see. So it can serve all those purposes, but mm. the sessions with the drag or the, the damper setting all the way up also mm. fatigue you a little bit more as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Now that answers that. Oh, you know, that absolutely puts that to bed for me because I've spent a few years trying to work that out and then listening to it the other day, I just wanted to reconfirm it again with you, but I think yeah, I'll... What body, what, how, how much do you weigh? 85. Yeah, I mean, for depend for one forty for what sort of target distance? For five hundred. Yeah, five hundred probably five hundred, yeah. maybe like one forty, one fifty. Yeah, and then the last probably the last fifty meters of that, I'm absolutely feeling that weight, where I'm not feeling it in the first hundred. It's like, geez, this is too, this is set too low, and then I get two fifty, and then it's I'm all I'm worried about at two fifty is my, you know, breathing. And then, and then the last fifty, I feel like then it's actually I'm just trying to hold on to the strength component part of it. But it's um, man, the five hundred meters, it's a journey. Yeah, well, what happens in a relatively short period of time? Yeah, and I think the, I mean, it's nothing like a two kilometer. That I've done a two kilometer twice. You know, the two k, you you're doing some soul searching for someone who doesn't doesn't train on on this on the on the roller that often you're doing a lot of soul searching in that second or that especially that the the middle 500 after the kilometer yeah and the more training you do it doesn't get easier actually because you can you can push deeper Mm. and so it gets harder your tolerance gets higher as well but if you trained on the rower more it would get it would get you would get easier and then it would get harder. Yeah. Because you can just redline it the whole way. I've heard a couple of people say that the reason you didn't break the world record for the 500 is because you didn't work sufficiently on your aerobic capacity. Personally, I think that's shit. But anyway, and the reason I think that is because I, I do, I train, I've trained aerobic a lot and I've trained anaerobic a lot. And I find that high intensity interval training and heavy so powerlifting for me converts to, you know, a, a half Ironman, for instance. I don't need to go out and ride for, you know, four hours like some people do to be able to ride 80 kilometres. But having said that, there's also something about being more comfortable in the saddle on a bike, for instance, if you've done all that aerobic training. It's just, you know. So sort of how do you feel? Do you feel like that 500 metres went sort of a miss because of that aerobic I mean, that aerobic base is still there, right? It's not like well, you really still, had... I mean, it was only the you know the year before that I broke the 1,000-meter record and the year before that, it was the fastest 2K I ever did and then the 10 years before that, it was pretty much rowing full-time and that's just hours and hours a week and most right. aerobic training. Yeah. In saying that, the aerobic side was never my strength, so I always had to work on it, but because of that, I did a lot of extra training. So... It was an elite rowing schedule plus additional aerobic minutes for the better part of a decade. But I think that I could have, I probably could have done more, more may have been helpful, but I don't think that's the reason that I didn't break the record. Yeah. And if you. And would it have been wasted time to go and just bang out, you know, kilometers? Not necessarily wasted time, but a waste of resources of which right. time is one. So. Yeah energy if you yeah. you have to your re, like recovery resources can be 
you can either start spending energy on repairing or you can spend it on fueling an extra hour on the bike. But I wasn't doing any steady, like easy minutes on the rowing machine. And like you said, if you're on the bike, the and you have a certain level of comfortability because you you've been doing the minutes and training, so it feels more natural on the bike. But I spent 20 years on the machine. Right. I don't know. It feels I can I can go over in there and I haven't been on it in maybe six weeks in the moment, but I could I don't know I could I could I could go under 120 for 500 meters any time. That's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had a rule that for, for I could go sub two fifty for a one k any day, any at any at any time for you know probably a decade. Yeah, and so you've got the, you have the the capacity to do that. That means it's you know, I'm not playing with it's not a normal set of attributes, and it's not not a normal goal, and it's not a normal level of performance. So yeah. the the people that understand how to prepare for that are, are very few. And yeah. I also didn't share, like like you said, mm. right at the start of this conversation, that you don't, of the totality of the preparation, no. the stuff you put up on Instagram, what are you, you going to put up on? Here's when I sat on a bike for an hour. Yeah, right. At the, exactly the same speed as the week before. It's just yeah. not particularly novel yeah. or interesting. So it doesn't end. Yeah. You don't, you don't record everything you do. So, I, should, um, I should caveat by saying that, you know, I don't use much aerobic training because I'm time poor. And and could I be faster over a, a half Ironman if I if I did long slow kilometers? Yeah, I probably I probably could. But but then I'll, then other things would suffer in my life. I'd have to do 18 hours training a week, where I find that high intensity interval training and powerlifting gets me in the best possible condition and and keeps yeah. muscle mass on. I don't want to be a. I'm sorry to say this to everyone listening, but. I don't want to be a skinny triathlete. Like I'd rather be 85 kilo and, you know, 15, 16% body fat and strong than than 62 kilograms and 8% body fat and feeble, you know. Yeah, well, it's certainly more versatile. And but you have to train with the resources you have, the yeah. goals you have. And, and one of the resources is time. Yeah, of one risk, time, energy, yeah. um, the fact that recovery capacity, the – when it comes to the, the 500 meters, like I think the more aerobic stuff may have helped, but that if I was like that wasn't the limiting factor for me. Yeah. Of the guys that are in this similar sort of ballpark in the 500 meters, none of them have the same 2K performance, so it's then yeah stronger or more explosive, not right more aerobic. Yeah, got it. Yeah, it's a mute point really. So, all right, I've always wanted to ask an expert, you know, this question. Because it gets bounced around in CrossFit gyms all over the world, um, your five k time on a rower will be similar to your five k running time. True or false? Let me just think through the numbers on the. Okay, so my best, I know my best five k time is fifteen forty. So what does that average out to per? It's a one thirty four five hundred meters, which means it's a two. It's a three ten k. That's fast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be slightly slower on the run, but yeah, you know, not not well at the moment. I would be slow on both. But yeah. Oh, I mean, that's not going to apply to everyone. Yeah. I mean, so and if it, unless unless it does, then yeah, that's yeah. useless. Like I can I can usually do pretty comfortably a twenty. Well, not comfortably, but I can I can pull out a twenty minute five k on a rower. But I can't do that. I can't run a five k in twenty minutes at the moment. It'd be it'd be twenty one, twenty two minutes. It'd be a couple of minutes out. Most people would be slower on the on the run, but even yeah. for, even for if you had five people and three of them, mm. this equation worked perfectly for. Okay, then so what? <laughs> like yeah. Okay, well, what do you? I guess what happens is is people who've got some injuries and can't run what crossfit coaches quite often do is go okay well you can do the same distance on the rower well you mm. can do that mm. but mm. like for, for training but then i guess it depends all on what what are you training for yeah yep so to me that's 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 always the question because that determines what the training 
It's not necessarily, it's not, it, well, it's definitely not transferable. I mean, the, the metabolic conditioning is on a rower. Yeah, well, transferable to what? Yeah, to, to being able to run. To run, yeah, to run, run you I need mean, to learn to run. No, it's, it's not. No. Having said that, you've ran a marathon, right? Yeah, yeah, I ran one in end of, end of start of 2009. Yeah. And what time do you get for that? 3.14. <laughs> That's. Pretty, I have a, yeah, that's moving. Caveats. I, I would have liked to have gone quick. I had some gastrointestinal distress that required me to take three detours, two to the to the public toilet that I ran past twice, and one behind a tree, where it required a full scale evacuation, which was purely a, as a result of poor meal planning the day before. Yes. It was a lesson learned, uh, and also the fact that I couldn't for the last month I couldn't do any running on pavement because I had shin splints, so I had to do all yeah. my running in soft sand at the back of Bondi, it was, and I just went to the back and forth, back and forth. So it just wasn't ideal, but yeah. it was okay. It was, it was, I mean, yeah. Mate, that's it's okay performance, but I'm glad I did it. It's, yeah. I, have, I have a couple of mates training for it at the moment, and um, I'm, I'm glad I'm not them. Yeah. What, mar- what marathon was it? It's the Cadbury Marathon in Hobart. Okay. Yeah, and it, it finishes at the Cadbury Chocolate Factory. Yeah, right. I was right. thinking, like, you're gonna, I'm going to walk through, like, a chocolate fountain at the finish line, <laughs> and I crossed the finish line, and then someone gave me a water bottle, which was delightful, and then someone gave me, like, a little show bag, and, and, I, was, and I opened it up, and it was some pamphlets, and then it was one caramello koala and then the, and a wrapper ripped off. Fredo frog. And I was not not quite the the fondue surprise that I was expecting, but it yeah. was okay. Ripped off. Done. Oh, well done. That's a good effort, mate. Listen, I'm I'm really interested in 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 resilience and mental toughness. It could be said that doing a 500 meter best effort is all about mental toughness. What are your what are your thoughts? How do you develop mental toughness? You know, for for an Olympian like yourself, how are you developing that that mental toughness so that you know, so that when it's needed, you can draw on that? And you know, it's a two pronged question. You know, the fitter you are, probably the less you need your mental toughness, right? Well, the fitter you are, not not only are you more physically capable, like you're you're less the discomfort is less stressful to you, but you've also most likely done the work recently so you're desensitized to whatever the physical stress is right so it's more familiar it's not like if, if you haven't been running and then you go out for a run you're like what is this shortness of breath my feet yeah. hurt I'm, I'm like this doesn't feel good but this if you do that every day then it just feels normal yeah no i get that yeah, yeah. so when so i'm when i'm for me like you know mental toughness is just, just repeated exposure yeah to situations that require you to be tough and then enduring those repeatedly to the point where you trust yourself to, to always do that and, and to, te- to, to be prepared to test yourself in order to, like a, a lot of the stuff that I do is to, te- is to test, my, test myself, test my toughness in order to, to for me not to just think, oh, yeah, you're, yeah, that's great, you're tough. Like I need to prove it to myself repeatedly. Yeah. Like my default point is, because I, I know when I'm like, oh, it's cold outside. Like, like, I don't, like if I need to walk my dogs at night, I'm like, oh, it's cold, all right. And I, I know that I feel that way. So I know that there is, there is definitely a pussy inside me somewhere, and I need those other opportunities to, to be able to prove to myself that at, at my core, that no, you actually you are in fact a pussy. You're, you're relatively durable and. Your, your personal integrity at the heart of it, right? And life is life is suffering, and at some point you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. In your, in your mind, you have to be able to say, "Well, my body's hurting, but my mind's fine." Or your, or your mind could be hurting, or you're mm. just going through it. Like your life is uncomfortable. Mm. You're going through a rough patch. You've got a, a family member is sick, and you know it all. Developing the skill to manage yourself when. Times are difficult, whether that be on a rowing machine, but more likely in some more important facet of life, then that, that skill is going to transfer. Yeah, got it. Just be able to ha- handle yourself to be able to deal with the situation as is, as opposed to 
just re- re- responding to it, reacting to it, like, oh, this this sucks, and so what you lose your shit, or this hurts, so you 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 react, or you just go, okay, this is a thing that's happening, and it doesn't change your course of action. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm I'm working on some things at the moment with trying to train the subconscious. So if you if you can train your subconscious into making you know the right decisions fast, or if you can train your subconscious to see something and then feel, you know, this doesn't hurt so much or whatever, then consciously you can accept that as well. Because I think quite often it's the subconscious that's, you know, sort of going into a bit of philosophy here. But, yeah, I think there's something to that, something to the, Well, the, if, yeah. you, if, you're, if the subconscious is taking care of it, then the conscious part of you doesn't right. have to. Yeah. Yeah, so when I was – Before you have to do the mental yeah. mechanics. Yeah, when, when, I, when I trained with the Royal Marines in – in 1997, they had this thing where you might be out on Dartmoor there, it's freezing cold, and you know one of the guys would would have freezing water and he'd have it in his helmet, and then he'd just put his helmet on and just look at you with no emotion. It's called doing a non-emo, you know, and everyone would like, yeah, I've got to respect that, you know, sort of thing. And, and so they, yeah, they, yeah. they do this thing through humour where they're actually building up their resilience to crap conditions. You know, and I've always took a lesson away from that, that, you know, you need to make light of when you're hurting, if you can. Oh, yeah. You need to make light or, or make, at the very least, not be adversely affected by it, especially by something like the weather because how you feel about it is Doesn't not going to change the weather. But mm. if, you can, if you can control how you feel about it or at least how you react to it, yeah. I mean, if when we were rowing, for example, if it was just foul weather and you're going to go out there in a skinny boat in the middle of the lake with sleet and whatever, in, 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 and you're going to be in lycra, like there's only so much lycra you can wear out there, and it's going to be shitty, and that's all there is to it, and you have to go out there and race your ass off anyway. Does it help at all to go, oh, look how like, shitty the weather is? Yeah. Like, that, that, that just certifies mm. that this, oh, yeah, that it is shitty, as opposed to it just being a thing right. like anything else. Yeah. Not a thing that drives your emotion any which way. Yeah. And you like that. The bloke you said in the Royal Marines, mm. not only is it not pushing him in an adverse direction, he's going in the like. No, I'm so cool with this. I'm gonna. I can deal with worse. Yeah, I had, I had yeah. one one of my guys in uh, in Afghanistan. We got in a we got in a contact with the Taliban out in the middle of the mountains, and you know the rounds started going off. And the first thing this guy said on the on the radio was, "Oh, awesome! They're shooting at us!" And I think everyone <laughs> just started pissing themselves laughing. You know, I was like, "That's pretty funny." You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and then when it's automated, yeah. I mean, that's then that's just yeah. That's the next. That's the next. That's the evolution. next level. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to hope for for shitty conditions yeah. because if if you if you got if you got shit conditions and you're okay with it, and there's a chance your opposition yeah. is not, yeah, then there's competitive advantage. Yeah, yeah. I was kicking kicking myself one year. I, I'd signed up to do a triathlon in in Dubai, and then for whatever reason, wasn't able to do it. And then I, the weather conditions that they had the first time ever, the, like sea state was up to like sea state three and they were still going ahead with it. And I was like, man, coming from, you know, living living in Sydney and swimming in winter out in the out, out off, uh, you know, Bondi when you've got big big waves out there and quite comfortable in that. And I would have I loved that. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. The worse the conditions and the worse people are feeling around you, quite often there's some of us that look at that and go, okay, well, this is my time to shine. You know, when, when everyone else is sort of up against it, you know. Yeah, well, and, that, and for me, like, that 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 certainly didn't come naturally to begin with. Like, yeah. the teenage, younger, adolescent me was, like, I had to learn any toughness I had. I don't think any of it was innate, which means that we all have the responsibility. Like, you basically could be as tough as you'd like. And for some people, like, I, I thought, oh, I would have been, I grew up in, on the, in the bush. Mm-hmm. Just in, in that realm in particular, because the country kids in school were just far tougher naturally, mm. and it and then it could be it was a, a skill that I had to acquire. So, and then I was able to, to evolve that to such an extent that yeah, I would like the next evolution would yeah. be that you're welcoming more stressful circumstances yeah. because you think that you'll be able to thrive in those, and especially relative to your competition. Yeah, there's. Yeah, and there's there's growth there from when you're a kid through through your teenage years, and you've got all that you know volume of training, and that's growth as well. And then now in your adult years, and 
you know, dealing with some of the same stuff that most of us do that are in the public eye, you know, you're dealing with people shit talking and dealing with buddy, you know, and then you're dealing with your own, you know, knowledge of your own inadequacies or maybe I'm not feeling as tough as I am today or maybe I'm not going to be able to row as hard as I used to be able to and and then suddenly you get that fire in your belly again like you have with the the powerlifting stuff, you know, and then I always have yeah. the, the 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 fire. It's it's more like yeah, existentially. Yeah. It's more you know tr- those transient things sort of like on day to day. People have various degrees of drive. Like some days motivation comes easier than others. But on on that scale, I don't I don't have to push myself to yeah. get going. And for me, it's more uh, I you know can only meaningfully prepare for elite performances, you know, one thing at a time. So yeah. for me, it's powerlifting, which means I can't do I, – I would like to be running a sub-three-hour marathon now. Yeah. But that, I can't do that and pursue those. Not at 120 kilograms, you won't. <laughs> no, well, not, not at the speed that I want, no, which, yeah. is, uh, which would be the only reason to do it. Yeah, which brings me to – like I, I tell people quite often that reach out and ask for advice, you know, you know motivation – Motivation is fleeting. Like I think people who try and find motivation every day, you know, you're living in a dream world. For me, consistency, having structure. I've heard you talk about goal settings really similar to the way I see it as well. You know, I like to tell – I mean, I like to tell people what my goals are, long-term goals, and then that holds me to account for it. But it's not motivation. I mean, I get some motivation out of music, don't get me wrong. You know, and from watching people like yourself and, and other people lift. But for me, getting up at, you know, five in the morning to go and train outside when it's wet, you know, is is about I need to do it because I've said I'd do it and consistency is what makes champions and motivation's fleeting. Well, unless you say that that is your motivation, right, that, that you're a man of integrity, so you said that you're going to do it, so you're going to do it, mm. that, that can be the motivation. It's mm. just a matter of whether where it whether it comes from, if you rely on you know, watching a pump-up video on YouTube, then yeah. maybe you need to be able to be more connected to yeah. whatever your goal is. And goals are often the word, but it could be a target or an objective or a desire or a purpose. It's just a reason yeah. to, to do some stuff that you otherwise wouldn't, some stuff that's probably going to be uncomfortable, or at least stay committed to a course of action. Yeah, And then that's, I, I, I get you know the same sort of questions. It's like, where do you find your motivation? It's, and I, well, I don't ever think of it as motivation. I think of myself as particularly motivated. I just have a, a target or an objective, and there's shit I need to do in order to do that. Mm. And I, I'm interested in doing it and learning from the process. So I don't need to leverage myself too much. But there are definitely times when. Like I have, you know, there is that conversation. Like this is a necessary step, right? Part of. I mean, even my wife is preparing for. She's got a bodybuilding show this weekend, and is trained the house down, done everything you need to. But there are still times where it's challenging, especially as for her calories are going down. Mm, Yeah, tough. And uh, it's it's not an abnormal. It's it's an abnormal state for the, the physiology is is complaining. So basically saying I'm undernourished here and then we have to have a conscious conversation of Yeah. This is you you expected to feel this like you knew this would happen. Because it manifests as an emotional as an emotional reach out for something for right. food and right. yeah. so we need to step but suffice it to say she's sufficiently motivated, mm. but it doesn't mean that there aren't still challenges. Mm. And your motivation is only gonna is only gonna get you started. Mm. Right, but you, the, you need to keep going. Yeah, and you need to do it every day. And, and then so you need, so you need structure. A yeah. larger, deeper reservoir of energy. Yeah, got it. But the motivation is just the word because you, you're like the the motivation to me is just leverage. Yeah, and and whether that that drive ideally that is is internal. Yeah, it comes from you, and you're doing it for the right reasons. But and but that I can easily describe that as motivation depending on the context, but I think it's motivation. We're talking about something that comes from elsewhere, and right. extrinsic property. Yeah. So so the Olympics for you was motivation, and then you had structured training programs around it. You had consistent – you were consistent in your training approach because you had coaches who were 
sort of holding you to account, I guess. But that internal drive was something that was coming from from you anyway. Well, the the it wasn't even about the Olympics. It's the it's a, the, the Olympics is simply the going to be the best the best competition there is where it counts the most. Mm. And then the preparation is about being able to perform mm. as well as possible at that time. Yeah. But it could be, you know, the podong shit fuck regatta. And if that was just to happen to be the, yeah. the upper pinnacle, then you would prepare with a similar yeah. sort of drive. Got it. Nice. Yeah. And so the Watt Farm. How's yeah, it, it was basically just how's it going? as a um, – is like a vessel for me to be able to sound available for coaching and consulting and, and that sort of thing. And then it's just expanded bit by bit over time to yeah. uh, office, you know, some, some of, some of my written stuff, but then um, an app most recently. Yep. It's looking good. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm a, a a general purveyor of stuff that is on- online, but I'm not uniquely qualified to be running a website or an online business or anything. But you learn as necessary. Yeah. It's fairly intuitive. Yeah, I saw you I used mean, Squarespace as well, which is it's a good. Yeah, good, yeah. I yeah. mean, that, that that seems to make it pretty easy. I don't have an awful lot to compare it to, but mm. I did have another website mm. before the London Games that was, yeah, yeah, WordPress. And that was more intricate and more complicated for someone with the level of computing knowledge that I had. All the, um, all the time. But it, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm basically you know, looking to share the stuff that I believe I've learned. And then the other side of it is to be able to work with mm. more interesting people and have greater access to resources. Yeah. I'm going I'm to put yeah link to the book, the website, and also your podcast in the show notes so people know where to reach you if they're looking for... It's not just rowing that you that you give coaching coaching on either, so they can have a no, look at that. It's yeah. whatever whatever you want it to be. I had a lady, a client of mine, a friend of mine as well, recently break the sixty minute record, almost burpees in an hour. I have zero experience experience in in burpee time trials, but you can just figure out how, okay, what are the requirements mm. of this performance, and mm. then engineer a strategy designed to hit the objective at a specific point in time. And, and so I, I, it, it's often physical, but sometimes it, it might just people want to improve their lifestyle or their physique or mm. they, their confidence. Yeah. Or, Get uh, shredded their for their wedding. Yeah there's, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that, that interests me. Yeah. And, and all I tend to ask for is that the person, because I, I, I'm not the guy that's going to provide you with the motivation that's, that's on you. And I, I'm just helping with the the, 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 the technical aspect. Yeah. yeah. If there's someone out there listening that could do one thing to help you achieve your goals, who is it, and what can they do? Well, it'd just be anyone listening to this that finds anything I've had to say interesting. Mm. That if you're trying to help me, then you can check out my shit, buy some yep. of the stuff that mm. I sell. That you know helps my ability to produce more content, which yeah. means the sharing. Mm more of my experience. I tend to try not to ask anyone to do anything, right? So this, this is a sort of odd question for me to answer. Uh, like I'm, I'm never going to say, hey, like my picture on Instagram. Yeah. Just, hey, that's up to you. I'm not going to you know, generally tell people to buy my stuff because, hey, that's up to you. But that, yeah. that, 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 that stuff all helps me. Mm. Um, but you know, mostly I would just hope that people can connect to their purpose, and if it's not an overwhelming larger purpose, but something that gives them enough drive to mm. to expect more from themselves. So if they can do something for me, check out my stuff, mm. buy some of my stuff. If you feel inclined, stuff that you can do for you is um, yeah, just expect more from yourself. Mm. Yeah, good advice. And I think I can tell a lot from a person by how they how they answer that question. A couple of people have asked Elon Musk for cars. <laughs> All right, just give me a car. <laughs> Elon, Elon. I would like if people, if, if you know, if it's if guys in, in that serve or women listen to you know, your podcast, I'd be interested in with working in working with any of them. To, yeah. You know, an interesting project. I'd like to work with people on interesting projects, whatever they may be. So yeah. 
if you're listening thinking, oh, I might need this guy to, you know, even just run through a wall, yeah, hit me up. Thanks very thanks much for, for yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and no, I I appreciate you coming on. I know it's yeah you know, out of the out of the blue. I messaged you, and then there was a bit of a you know a bit of a time there. I didn't contact you for a bit, so I apologise for that. I had a few other things no, going there's, on. There's, you know, no no worries at all. You, you I tend to say yes to whoever wants to be on their podcast. So mm. hey, do you want to be on a podcast? Like yep. You know, yeah. Still want me to be on your podcast? Yep. <laughs> like, cool, man. What? You know, deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.